You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. You guys sound like you're ready to worship the Lord right there. Isn't it good having the Vargases finally in town with us right there, amen? We've got a little Latin flavor here to keep things, there we say, hot and spicy. Got to keep the church spicy. Revelations chapter 4. The title of the lesson is Be Holy as I Am Holy. In Revelations chapter 4 and verse 1. Of course, John is giving this incredible vision right here. This is John who went through, dare we say, many challenges to be a disciple. You say, what kind of challenges did he go through? Well, because God's name was holy to him, he did not denounce God's name. And it was so intense because at that particular time, Christianity had been outlawed and John was told to denounce Jesus. And instead of denouncing Jesus, he uplifted the name of Jesus. You say, well, what'd they do to him? Well, they put him in a basin of oil and they boiled him to death. Problem is, because God's name is so powerful, it protected him. He did not die. It was so moving, he comes out of the basin of oil. He's not dead yet. And, and the people that were watching, they saw it. Many of them didn't believe it. And they were so moved. History says many of them became true disciples. Amen. And it yet is from this spirit of, of, of really just being always triumphant, even when things are going in a challenging way in your life, yeah. that John gets this incredible vision from God. He's sentenced to the island of Patmos, where he writes the book of Revelations. Dare we say you can do some of the most incredible things with God in your life, even when you're going through pain. Pain has a purpose. And he pins these words. He's given his vision and he says something that really stood out to me this week. Says in verse eight concerning this vision he has of heaven, says each of the four living creatures had six wings. And was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And he's just highlighting that God sees everything. There's even eyes under the wings. You, you can't hide from God. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. And the church said, you know what's so awesome about this is God is holy. But truthfully, that is not the case. He's not holy. You go, hmm. He's not holy, holy. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. He's holy, holy, holy right there. Are you with me here? See, if you just say God is holy, you're missing out on his holiness right there. We can't, we can't steal any holiness from the Lord right there. He's holy, holy, holy. Do you know something? I've read this scripture over and over. Never in the Bible does it say God is peace, peace, peace. It never says God is love, love, love. It never says God is wrath, wrath, wrath. It never says God is evangelism, evangelism, more evangelism. It never says God is friendship, friendship, friendship. But it does say God is holy, holy, holy. Are you with me here, church? First Peter chapter one. Be holy as I am holy. Let's go to Peter. Peter had a few challenges being holy. You say, what happened? Well, he chickened out. He forgot to share his faith with a girl right there. And so that should give us great encouragement. And yet he comes back. When he comes back as a sold-out disciple, he, he, he preaches there in Acts chapter 2. And dare we say, he, he gave his best sermon the second time. You love to see the guys come back for the second time for a dose of Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm excited seeing what, uh, dare we say, the old schoolers are going to do in the kingdom of God. Old schoolers like Carlos Vargas right there. Old schoolers like Michael Hart. Old schoolers like there, like Martin Scott right there. He's an old schooler right there. And you know Martin wants to preach when he gives you all these scientific facts in his welcome right there. That's a guy the Lord is going to use. 
And yet Peter, being a remnant guy, says something here in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 13. says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. That's got to be us, right, church? Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. He says, set your hope fully on the grace, not partially on the grace. So you can have that partial hope in Jesus. So set your hope fully on grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. So you get the hope going, and he says, then what happens? It says, as obedient children, and all of our children are so obedient, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy. So be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And the church said, Amen. this is such an incredible scripture right here. Peter just says, be holy because I am holy. He says, first, Peter has to get him going. He goes, first, you got to get your hope in Jesus. Then when you get that hope right there, you keep that hope. That hope leads you to live a life of holiness. Because at this particular time, he says, remember in your former life, you, 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 you out of ignorance obeyed evil desires. Ignorance is without knowledge. We all remember when we were ignorant of the knowledge of God. When we did not know what it meant to be a sold out disciple of Jesus. And so some of the sins we did were out of ignorance. Now, you go, well, what were they? There's the obvious, the impurities, the lust, but then there's the religious sin. Believe things that are not in the Bible. Then there's, then there's other sins where you even can beat up on yourself. It's a sin to be down on yourself. Can you imagine Jesus walking around down on himself? Oh, got to go to the cross. Oh, can't believe this. I mean, Jesus wasn't like, uh, you know, some struggling slave right there. Oh, Lord, got to go to the cross. I mean, that wasn't Jesus. He was excited about walking the Via Della Rosa. And, and it, I believe it, it's a sin to be down on yourself. He says those things were out of ignorance, but now you have the knowledge of God. You know what it means to be a Christian. So your outlook is different. Dare we say your outlook determines your outcome. How you see things determines the outcome. Your attitude determines your actions. Your, your, remember, it's your attitude. It's not anyone else's attitude, right? It, it's your attitude. Of course, he's trying to inspire him. Have your attitude right there in the hope. But, but that, that's one thing nobody can change. Except you. Your attitude. I mean, after all, it's yours. Right? That, that attitude you have this morning, that's no one else's attitude. You own that attitude. It actually belongs to you. No one made you have that attitude, but you decided to have that attitude. You getting convicted a little bit? Getting, a, getting, getting ready to change and have a positive attitude if you have a negative attitude? I see, so you see how the spirit already starts working right there? God says, be holy as I am holy. I thought about that. And then it hit me. We, we, we expect holiness in everything. We expect it. I mean... You don't turn on your tap water and, and expect a little sediment, a little rust, a little, a little sewage to come on out right there in your drinking water, do you? You don't just overlook that. There's just a little sewage right there in my drinking water. It's no problem right there. I'll just go ahead and drink it on down with the sewage in there. And yet there's a true story about sewage being actually <laughs> the pipes in Russia got messed up. I believe it's the 1800s and sewage was going into the drinking water. For years, people didn't know about it. <laughs> Once you know about it, you go, I'm not drinking that water anymore. <laughs> but we expect it in our drinking water. Don't, I mean, you expect holiness, and the word holy means to be set apart, to be pure. You expect it when you go and get something to eat. I mean, you don't go and get that kebab sandwich right there and expect to see a few flies crawling around in there. Maybe there's a maggot or something like that. You just pull the maggot on out. Maybe the mayo is just a little old, and that green stuff is just going to add a little flavor to it right there. No. Now that I've ruined your appetite, you expect holiness in your food. 
you expect it. For the mothers that are here, when the weather changes and it starts to get a little rainy, even though we're grateful for the sun, you, you expect those muddy shoes to come off before there's an entering of the dwelling right there. You want to keep the house holy. You want to keep it pure. You want to keep it clean. Are you with me here? Leviticus chapter 11. I'm just trying to appeal to everybody here. Leviticus chapter 11. Be holy as I am holy. Verse 44. Of course, we know we're always in the book of Leviticus. It says in, in verse 44, it says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make for yourself unclean. Do not make yourself unclean by any creature that moves on the ground. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Question got to be asked, what is the true motivation for being holy? You know, I thought about that. I go, wow, you know, if you are not holy, you're not going to help anybody else see the Lord and you're not going to be able to baptize people. And we believe in helping people become Christians, do we not? Isn't it a good thing to know that when you are pure, God can use you. He can use you. And so there's a there's a godly there's a godly motivation to go. Wow, I want to be pure so that I can baptize. Are you with me here? But that's not the motivation for holiness. Baptizing is not the motivation. Sometimes you say, well, I want to be, be, be holy. I want to be pure to be a good person, to be different than the world. Right. Th that is good, to be different. That's what it means to be holy, to be separate. But none of us are truly righteous in ourselves. Not none of us. So the motivation for holiness isn't to become so holy that you're holier than thou. You're so holy, you're better than everybody else. It's not the motivation. The motivation sometimes, because I want to be holy because my kids. After all, got to be holy. Want my kids to see me as a father having it together. As a mother being gentle and quiet in our spirits. And that's a good thing. But that's not the motivation for holiness. You say, what's the motivation for holiness? Well, Leviticus teaches us, and we just read it earlier. He says, be holy because I am holy. The motivation for holiness is because God is holy. That's why we want to be holy. That's different from wanting to be holy for something else, to do something else. When you want to be holy because God is holy, that, that's different. You want to be an imitator of God. You want to think like God. You want to behave like God. You want to be in a church that's like the church that God talks about in the Bible. You want to obey the commandments of God. You want to let God lead you. You want to be holy because God is holy. Turn to Exodus chapter 15. Point number one, his name is holy. His name is holy. You know, when I think about holiness, I think about just a little newborn baby. You know, little newborn babies, are so, they're so sweet. They're so cute. They're, they're without sin. They love you even though later on they're probably going to have some feelings towards you about a few things. <laughs> they look at you with those loving eyes, different than your coworkers look at you. They look at you with encouraging, trusting eyes, different than people that know you for a long time look at you. I mean, kids are so, dare we say, pure, are they not? And yet, let me tell you something. The way the world goes, I mean... Uh, on a lack of holiness can creep in early on. Now, many of you may or may not know I have a beautiful little daughter. Her name is Mia Grace. And she's two years old. And at two years old, she's already started being unholy. She's two and she has a sinful nature already. She, she, she knows how to people please. At first, she would call me, she would, she would say, Daddy, Mommy, and Mike. Those are the immediate members of her family. But when she wants something, she comes over to me like this, smiles and goes, Dad, cookie, Dad, cookie. And then she even wants to give me a kiss right away. 
And she does it really quick, and it's, it's with no hardship. Mm. And then she gets the cookie right there. She goes away. That is cold-blooded right there. And, I, and, I, and I, I watched her. I go, this little girl is learning how to work it. She's learning how to kind of have her little kind of people-pleasing thing going on. I don't know where she gets that from. <laughs> Neither does Michelle. And yet we go, wow, we, we in ourselves, we are so unholy. And, and it just can trickle down even to our kids right away. Thanks that we have a God. <laughs> and we can point our children to God. We can focus in on God because we in ourselves, we are not holy. But we've got to make sure that our motivation is to be like God. In Exodus chapter 15, to the Israelites, his name is holy. Hopefully his name is holy to you. In verse 15, I'm going to give you a few scriptures here, so write them down. He says, who among the gods is like you? Oh, Lord, who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. First Samuel chapter two. First Samuel. The Israelites saw him as holy. Look at this one here. This is Hannah's prayer, and this is after she, dare we say, was not so holy, and she wanted the child. She didn't get the child. She was getting, having a little rivalry there with uh, Peninnah, and then God blesses her, and then she has a song. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, in verse 2, it says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Is your heart rejoicing in the Lord today? says, in the Lord, my horn is lifted high. Of course, the horn was the symbol for strength. So she says, my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. We believe in that, right, church? Look at Psalms chapter 105. We are a Bible church. Give you a few scriptures here. Psalms chapter 105. In verse 3, it says this. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. So you know when somebody's seeking God, they're rejoicing. You know when someone's not seeking God. They're not rejoicing. After all, enthusiasm means to have God in you. And he says, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek him rejoice. It says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. God's name is holy. Isaiah 57. Isaiah who calls God the Holy One of Israel. That was how he identified God. God is pure. God is holy. God is set apart. He says in Isaiah 57 and verse 15, for this is what the high and the lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is what? Holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the low and to revive the hearts of the contrite. Do you believe, church, God's name is holy? Do you believe he is pure in all he does? Do you believe he is pure in all he says? Do you believe everything he calls you to do is out of pure motivation, is out of a true love, a true holiness? Do you believe all of the Bible is holy? It is the holy Bible. It is set apart. It is pure. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's name is holy? When you believe God's name is holy, there is nothing that God calls you to do that is unholy. There's nothing that God challenges, challenges to say or be that is unholy. If God's name begins to be unholy, there's not a problem with God. There's a problem with something else. There's not a problem with the Lord. His name is holy. He is set apart. 
And yet we, we got to be careful. A lack of holiness, a lack of purity doesn't creep in to our view of God. Are you with me here? God is holy. Ezekiel chapter 20. His name is holy. Ezekiel highlights that you can actually profane the holy name of God. Ezekiel chapter 20. Verse 39. He says, as for you, O house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And we believe God is sovereign, right? Everything in your life that happens, he causes it or he allows it. Go and serve your idols, every one of you. But afterwards, you will surely listen to me and no longer profane my holy name with your gifts and idols. You know, I really believe the world profanes the holy name of God. His name is used in curse words. The Lord's name is taken in vain. God's name is a mockery. You walk into the retail shop and, and you've got statements about the name of God, the name of Jesus, and, it, and it's profane. Jesus is not my homie. Jesus is your God. Are you with me here? The world profanes the name of Jesus. The, the world profanes the name of God. The world teaches you not to trust in his name. The world teaches you he is a harsh God. The world teaches you he is a mean God. The world teaches you he is not a God who is sovereign. The things that have happened to you, this is God's fault, their mistake. No, 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 no. God's name is holy. And the world profanes his name. The world says, I want to live how I want to live. Drink as much as I want to drink. Live as luxurious as I want to live. And when I die, I go to heaven. That's a big lie. The world says, I want to get on stage with no clothing on, sing a worldly song, and then say, thank God that I got this Grammy Award. He gave me the ability to make you struggle and to make your children want to grow up and be just like me. Someone who is not holding the name of God on high. I believe God's name is profaned in this world. God's name is profaned in the religious world. His name is profaned. It, 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 is, it is not right to teach things that are not in the Bible. That is a lack of holiness for the name of God. And yet you go through the Bible and you go, wow, there, there are no children baptized in the Bible because children are saved. And to introduce something not in his Bible is not holy. Are you with me here? You, you, you go through and you see people pick and choose parts they want to obey. Burger King Christianity. You know how Burger King said, have it your way. I want salvation. I want peace. I want love. I want joy. Woo! total commitment. Back off. And you profane the name of God because Jesus was totally committed to you. You've got to be totally committed to Jesus. The world, the religious world profanes the name, picking and choosing. And yet we as disciples, we've got to take encouragement and challenge and go, we cannot profane the name at any cost. You know, I want to lift up uh, a young woman who has recently been baptized in the church. Uh, I want to lift her up, but I want to tell a story about a woman who she, she, she had this incredible chance to be, dare we say, a, a big time singer. You say, how big time? How about a five million dollar, five million pound recording deal? I mean, what would five million pound do for your smile today? Oh, you'd be holy all of a sudden. <laughs> Set apart, different from everyone else. And yet five million pound is, that's five million pound. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal here. There was only one condition to be this illustrious singer. Profane the name of God. Profane his name. Let, let, let his name be second to your name. Let his name be second to what we want you to be. Don't be the woman of God. Don't do it. You say, what, what were her, what were some of the other things along with the five million pounds? Well, how about, how about not number 12 on X Factor? How about number 10 on X Factor? 
That's pretty cool, isn't it? How about getting a chance to tour all around the world? That would be a real tempting thing to get sucked into. You go, who is this gal? Well, it's Jeanette. It's our sister who got baptized just a couple weeks ago right there. See, what moves me about her is, is she says, you know what? For five million pounds, I will not profane God's name. For a recording contract, I will not profane God's name. For all the applause in the world, I will not profane God's name. For all of the worldly success in the world, I will not profane God's name. But I will uplift God's name. And she's a sold out disciple with us today. Amen. Amen. We've got to hold God's name as holy in our hearts. Romans chapter, well, now let's look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 43, point number two. His wrath is holy. His wrath is holy. Oh, only got one amen on that one. Yep, see, that's why we're going to talk about it. Wasn't looking for it, but I just, 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 just wonder, just kind of taking a peek right there. See a few things from up here. Ezekiel chapter 43. Ezekiel says this. It says when they placed their threshold next to my threshold and their doorstop, doorpost besides my doorposts, with only a wall between me and them, they defiled my holy name by their detestable practices. So I destroyed them in my anger. You see that right there? Yeah. Let's read that last verse again. It says, so I destroyed them in my anger. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I want to I try and persuade you to think of everything that God does as holy. Because when it comes to his love, his peace, his joy, his encouragement, we go God is holy. But when it comes to his wrath, Oh, why do we got to talk about that? Oh, is there anything else you can talk about? God's, oh, uh, uh, ooh. We can even think the wrath of God is unholy. We can actually believe that God judging evil with justice is wrong. But if God is holy, God is right. He is not harsh. He is not mean. He is holy. He is holy in all that he does. And if we are to be holy, we are to imitate God. That means there will be things about God that, that we've got to exercise that others who don't see his name as holy may go, oh, no, you're, something's wrong with you. You call yourself Christian and yet you're taking a hard line stance in this area and that area. And yet God says, hey. People get destroyed in God's holy anger who don't have a holy fear of God. His wrath is just as holy as his name. Romans chapter 1, in verse 18, I'm going to read the amplified version right here. Follow along with me if you can. In verse 18, it says, For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness, because God himself has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, his attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that we have seen and, been, and have been made by his handiworks. So men are without excuse, altogether, without any defense or justification. You know, he says, I, I've made it so clear to you. He says, if you are a singer, let me tell you something. There's some incredible singing that goes on in the Bible. You should believe in me. There's singers in the Bible. He goes, if you are a lawyer, I mean, uh, there, there are lawyers in the Bible. Not all lawyers are not going to make it to heaven right there. There are some good lawyers in the Bible. Amen. He says, if you are a mom, you're in the Bible. He says, if you're a student, you're in the Bible. 
This is, this, this is awesome. You're in the Bible. It says even if you are scientific and you're kind of more, I won't say skeptical, that's kind of negative. I'll say rational in your thinking. There's a lot of rationality in the Bible. And yet Friday night with the campus, we had a, a, a class, Science in the Bible. And I asked them a question I'll ask you today. Campus, don't give it away, okay? I said, does science prove the Bible? Who says yes? You're wrong. Science doesn't prove the Bible. Science confirms the Bible. Because when you say science proves the Bible, you give science's holy name a higher name than God's holy name. See, science affirms the Bible. See, there you go, Martin. Weave that right on in there. We're, we're, Martin's with me right there on that one. And so God gives us all these signs, and I share with the campus all the cool things in the Bible that were before the word science was even created. Science, of course, was created by uh, campus. Who? Who's, say it a little louder. A British guy, right? Right. British guy. We still love Brits, right? Yeah, that, that, that word was created in the 1800s. So before the 1800s, there was no such thing as the word science. Yep, really. Yeah, but there was the Bible. And when you go through the Bible, you look in the book of Job, it teaches that the earth hangs suspended. That's gravity. God knew that way before Newton. He knew that. The Bible teaches that babies are supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day. That's the time when the human body can actually take a surgery right there. Because the blood clots, that's right. God knew about surgery way before the first surgeon did. The Bible teaches about the water cycle. That all, I mean, the world is 70% water. You ever wonder why we're not flooded every day? You go to the ocean, it's so challenging. Whoa, look at this. Well, we have a water cycle where the water comes from the earth and then it goes up into the air and God holds it and pours it down on us. We get a lot of it here in London, England. It's called rain. Started to get real deep with you right there. Right? These are things that are in the Bible that were, even oceanography, the Bible teaches that the, the, the ocean has paths that are in it underneath the waters that you can't see, currents and things that go, that move the waters certain ways. And yet the first guy to write the textbook on oceanography, he was a naval guy. He gets hurt, so he can't go into the Navy anymore. He can't live as a Navy. Uh, he wasn't an admiral, but he was one of the commanding officers, something like that. And he can't, he, can't, he can't be in the Navy anymore, so he gets hurt, so he's bedridden. He asks his daughter to bring him his Bible. He reads in the Bible where in Psalms it says there are paths in the sea. He reads and goes, I'm going to find those paths that are in the sea. I'm finding those paths. If I can't do anything in the Navy, that's one thing I'm going to do. So what he does, he devotes his life to trying to find these different paths that are in the sea. He finds the paths. And he is the very first oceanographer who wrote the first book textbook on oceanography that we have in history. The word of God. It was the word of God that led him to science that confirmed science. It wasn't science that confirmed the word of God. So don't let me get into that. You guys with me there on that? A few nuggets right there for you. See, we, we, we don't have any excuse not to believe in God. But don't let anyone say, oh, I don't, how can you believe in God? Don't, don't let anyone tell that to you. Verse 21 says, because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or even give him thanks. But instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking, with vain imaginings, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations. That's the Amplified Version. Says so they started having speculations that were stupid. Now stupid is different than ignorant. Ignorant means to be without knowledge. Stupid means you know, but you do it anyway. Stupid is like walking across the street in London without looking. You know you're dead. Red lights mean nothing in this city. Green lights don't either. You just got to go like this. You just, you know, you're, you're doing this and you, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be foolish right there or stupid as he says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. And by them, the glory and the majesty and the excellence of the immortal God were exchanged for and represented by images resembling mortal man, birds, beasts, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin. 
Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So be it. For this reason, God gave them over and abandoned them to vile affections and degrading passions. For their women exchanged their natural function for an unnatural, abnormal one right there. He says even the, 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 there, was, there was a struggle with lust on the women right there. And so since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of him or consider him worth the knowing, God gave them over to the base. God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things not proper or decent, but loathsome. Until they were filled with permeated and sat until they were filled permeated and saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, iniquity, grasping, covetous, greed, malice. They were full of envy, jealousy, murder, strife, deceit, treachery, ill will, cruel ways. They were secret backstand, backbiters and gossips, slanderous, hateful to and hating of God, full of insolence, arrogance, boasting, inventors of new forms of evil disobedient and undutiful to their parents. They were without understanding, conscious-less and faithless, heartless, loveless, merciless. Though they are fully aware of God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them themselves, but approve and applaud others who practice them. Is that not a scary scripture? I know Halloween's coming, but I'm telling you, that one scares me a little bit more. Do you still believe God's wrath is holy? That means he is just. God is not fair. He is just. If he's fair, we'd all be condemned to hell. <laughs> right? Because we are all sinners. There's no one. No one's better than anybody. But he is just. And when we respond to his grace, because his son died for us, and we respond to that and live our lives in obedience to the scriptures, we get salvation. When we are not living in response by being sold out disciples, we show that we are not grateful for his death on the cross. And that's the scary time when we can get given over to a lot of the things that are shared right here. And, and, and we would we ourselves could be in jeopardy of the holy wrath of God. And I put before you, it is the fear of God that leads you to the love of God. It is the fear of God that leads you to the love of God. I think about my child, Michael Adrian, he's hilarious. Michael, what's your role in the, in, in the family? I'm the butler. <laughs> I just do what you say right there. And I go, no, you, Michael, let me, let me teach you. You, you, you. you serve the family because we serve you. You're a servant. He goes, oh, okay, I get it. All right, I'm a servant. And so I had to kind of teach him that right there. But early on, when he would get himself in trouble, he just had these eyes that would look at me. He'd be afraid of me. And because he was afraid, he'd do that which was right. Now, as he gets older, he's beginning to really have this kind of love for dad right there. We, we go boxing together, and we have this. It's awesome, you know, seeing my son become a young man right there. He's got an amazing mom. He's got the church. Many of you that have been friends to him. And it's so cool to be in the kingdom of God. But it was the fear of God that, that led him to, to kind of fear of me that le it's leading him to love me. At two, he wasn't like, wow, I love you so much. I'm not going to steal that cookie. No, he's like, I'm going to get in trouble if I steal that cookie. So you go like this. So, okay, I'm not going to steal the cookie. It was fear. He's like, okay, I won't, I won't do this. It, it should be the same for us. None of us is inherently so awesome that we just, oh, I just love God. I'm so amazing. I just love God. I mean, maybe other people have this daunting fear of God. Me, I love God. In fact, the fear of God, oh, and you scoff at God's holy wrath. It's the fear of God that leads to the love of God. I think about men. Any athletes here? Any sports fans? Uh, you ever been watching a football match and the ref doesn't make the call for your team? We flip out. I can't believe that. That, that was a handball. What is wrong? This, I can't believe this. We got to get this ref out of here. We got to get him out of here. He's a terrible ref. He's cost us the game. But guess what? God is the same God. And when he is just in his, his judgment, we, we got to have that same righteous indignation. 
we got to have the same spirit. In the same way that we kind of flip out right there when, when we don't, we got to love serving a, a God who is just and holy and will deal with sin with death. Are you with me there? That, that we we, we got to love the, the wrath of God as well and to know that it keeps us from sinning. And it also allows us to hate sin. That's the motivation. God says, I, I want you to know that my my wrath is holy. So you hate sin. So you, you hate that bitterness. You hate that pride. You hate that impurity. You hate what it does to your faith. Have You ever seen what sin does to your faith? Just kind of makes you feel insecure, makes you feel weird. It makes you throws you off. Sometimes you're in a haze. I mean, it just it just messes you up. I hate sin. You know, this week I, I caught myself just golly, got some persecution on a few issues and, and had a few people let me down. I got a little bitterness in my heart. I got bitter a little bit on campus sharing faith right there. Of course, the freshers fair and, and you're and you're sharing your faith. And then you see some of the young people walking around with no clothes on. You go, oh, my goodness, what is this young lady wearing here? And just just the impurity there. And the scriptures like this, Michael, you, you better you better be holy here. You better be holy. And you better appreciate the holiness of God. Do you appreciate God's holy wrath? Do you appreciate it? Can you imagine a judge who would not convict a man who was obviously sinning and hurting young children? Would you be okay with that? Would you love that? Oh, this is an amazing. Let him go away free. <laughs> no. Our God is no different. He is no different. We've got to appreciate the wrath of God. We can't have an impure view of the wrath of God. Because I think that that kind of can creep on in. Why are we as if we our thoughts are God's thoughts? Our, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Our thoughts are impure. And we've got to have a holy fear of God. You know, another individual I'm so fired up about, uh, another young South African, dare we say, it's our uh, young campus brother Frank sitting in the front right here. You know, what, what, what motivated Frank? Well, this scripture and a few talks about where he stood before the Lord. Frank just very simply was like, I, I, I had a lot of false teaching. I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian. And that kind of scared me because it meant if I died, I'm not going to heaven. Frank, young man who respects and appreciates the holiness of God's wrath. He isn't down on it, critical of it, negative. Why can't we <laughs> scoffing at it? But it led him to hate his sin, hate the false teaching. He as well got baptized just a couple weeks ago right there. But just last week, wasn't it? That's how time flies in the kingdom of God. Deuteronomy chapter 23. His dwelling is holy. His dwelling is a place of holiness. In Deuteronomy 23 verse 14, it says, For the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you, to deliver your enemies to you. Your camp must be holy. So that he will see, not see among you anything indecent, and turn away from you. Isn't that scary? It says the church is supposed to be holy. Then when we tolerate a lack of holiness in the church, God turns away from us. We've got to deal with the unholiness and keep his dwelling very, very holy. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, a scripture we in the church know about, it's called, uh, it's a scripture that highlights uh, how God called Moses, through Moses, to, to drive out a sin called contempt. Okay, contempt is to have disdain, to be critical, to be negative, to be down on God, his people, and to have a bitterness, spirit, a bitterness about you. And yet that, that, that doesn't build the church, that destroys the church. So contempt can't be in the church. Can't be in our own hearts. We got to drive it out of our own hearts. Sometimes you can have contempt for a brother or a sister. Sometimes you can even have contempt for yourself when you just beat yourself up. You, you got to stop doing that. Right. You got to drive that out of the tent. His dwelling has got to be holy. Uh, his dwelling cannot be full of greed. Right. 
His dwelling can't be full of greed. We cannot be greedy. That's got to be driven out of the tent. Instead of being contemptuous, we can be encouraging. We can lift each other up. We can build each other up. And let me tell you something. Your weakness can become a strength. You, you can have a kind of a negative spirit and, and feelings, and, and you can become the most encouraging disciple in the church. Now, I may get in trouble for this, but I still got to share this story. Uh, th this sister came and she had a few she had a few feelings. She had a, a little negativity right there. And I've almost counted the number of times that I come to church and she doesn't know it, but she, she just says. Good to see you, brother. You're going to do a great job. today. I'm with you. She makes way. She comes over and gives me a hug. Now, she wasn't always that warm in the beginning. She kind of kind of had a bumpy entry right there. She went through a few things. She is super encouraging. That's our, our sister Teresa sitting right in front right there. She came at the EMC. She had a few feelings right there. She was landing on what's going on here. And yet now the Lord is moving in our life. You can go from being, say, negative to positive. You, you, can, you can go from being, say, not so encouraging to encouraging right there. Do you believe that? And that helps the church. That helps the tent stay holy. We've got to be a holy people. We've only got one last point, but let's look at Titus chapter two. What are some of the things that keep the tent, that keep the church holy? What are the sins that can come on into the church? I'm glad you want to know all of that so we can so we can avoid it and we can be God's holy people set apart. Titus chapter two, verse one, Titus means giant. Of course, there was Emperor Titus at the particular time that this was written. And he, dare we say, wasn't the most encouraging to the Christians. And then there was Titus, the, the disciple who was sent by Paul to a small island to really help the church to be holy. And he goes through the things that can come into the church that you got to really make sure you avoid so we can keep the church holy. So those who get baptized and come on in, they, they see an absence of the things that are in the world. Titus chapter two, verse one, it says you must teach. What is in accordance with sound doctrine? Say when the doctrine is sound, the doctrine is holy, the people will be holy. Yeah. Right. Says teach the older men. Now, this is interesting because Titus is a younger man. So he's got to have a humility about himself and he's got to teach the older men. So you got a younger guy teaching the older guys. It says teach the older men to be temperate. Mm, why teach the older men to be temperate? Because older men get ticked off. It says worthy of respect. Why teach the older guys to be worthy of respect? Because old guys are like, yeah, back in the day. In my time, you just don't know how sold out I was. No, 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 you got to be sold out now. <laughs> he says self-control. He says even as an old guy, you can lose control. He says sound in the faith. Why teach the older guys sound in faith? Because even the older you get, you can have faith issues where you your faith isn't sound, isn't strong. You can be low in faith. And then he says in love and endurance. The last thing is endurance. The older you get, the more tired you get. When's he going to when is he going to be done preaching right here? I got to got to get my kebab sandwich. I got to get my rice and peas. I got to get how long is this thing is going? Oh, whew, man, 30 minutes. Oh, my goodness. You struggle with endurance the older you get, even physical endurance right there. You've heard my stories about the older lady in the gym I go to who gets she's going after it. And I, she shouldn't know she convicts me, but she's on her bike going. And I look at her and I go, that old lady's not going to beat me today. I just get going, man. I repent. We get tired the older we get. That's the older man. How about the older women? Let's see if the what? What? We got. Oh, OK. OK. I've got to talk to the women, too. Now, it says, likewise, teach the older women. Uh-oh, here's a younger guy that's got to teach the older women. This is Titus. Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. That means holy in the way they live. He says the older women stop being holy in how they live. They can be a little bit more worldly in how they live. 
They can be a little bit more just focused on themselves and how they live. They can be just not set apart in how they're living. Not to be slanderous. Woo. You notice that he didn't tell the older guys that? Why? Slander is the work of the devil. That's where the Greek for slander means the work of the devil. So he says, the older women struggle with slander. Speaking negatively. In the Old Testament, it says talking in your tents. It says the older woman, did you hear how he said that? What do you think of that? Oh, definitely was harsh. You think so, too? Yeah. What's she think? Mm, I don't know. Well, how about her? Mm, let's talk about it next week. <laughs> and it just goes going into the gossiping through the church right there. It says addicted to too much wine. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean the sisters are struggling with getting drunk right there. But wine was a sense of comfort. He says older women love comfort. I mean, it isn't most of the older guys who would love to go get that massage and all of that. You don't see magazines with old, older guys with the cucumbers on their eyes and the thing like that. Even though that sounds pretty awesome right there. I mean, being in Covent Garden and I just got mobbed by all these older women. They all had robes on and cucumbers and they were going to this massage. They were so fired up. They were so excited. And they, they, I, I tried to talk to one of the ladies. She just says, she goes, we, we are just going to have the most comfortable time in the world. Yeah. Says the older women, they, 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 they love comfort sometimes more than they love God. Says, teach these older women not to be addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Says you, you got to teach the older women in the church to teach what is good. That means the older women should be going around teaching what is good. Teaching to be positive. Teaching to be encouraging. Teaching to be pure. Teaching, talking, calling to, to a decision. The older women should be doing that. Then they can train the younger women. That means the older women train who? The younger women to love their husbands and children. Why teach them to love their husbands and children in that order? Because they can love their children and then love their husband. But he says, teach them to love their husband and their children. See the husband, you see that right there? Okay. <laughs> to be self-controlled and pure. To be busy at home, to be kind. Dang, the older women can be mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, is God's name holy? Don't think he's unfair here. See, he's, he's just as holy. Don't think he's unfair. Says to be subject to their husbands. Why teach them that? Because they struggle with submitting to a sinful guy. So that no one will malign the word of God. Okay, let's get to the young guys. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Says the young men need courage. And everything set them an example by doing what is good. It says if you're if you're if you're going to teach us young guys to eat healthy, you better be eating healthy. You're going to teach us young guys to be in be, be in shape. You be in shape. You're going to teach us young guys to share their faith. You share your faith. You teach us young guys to get out on campus and do it. You get out on campus. You do it. You teach us young guys. You, you, you show it to them. You get out there and do it. And you're teaching show integrity. Show integrity. Seriousness. You got to be serious with young guys because they're not so serious. They love video games. They come in. They're not so serious. You know, sometimes they're just like this. We have Campus Depot and sometimes I go, bro, please button up your shirt before you do the welcome. Okay, you just got to be serious here. Take your hat off as well. Show some respect to God. You don't, you don't do the welcome or come, you got your hat on, you're all cool. And, and the, so you got to teach young guys that kind of stuff. I'm just going through the Bible here. Hopefully you're following along here. Seriousness, soundness of speech. <laughs> that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing to say about us. You know the one group he says you don't have to teach, Titus? The young women. 
Because then there can be a bond that connects. It's a little too much. There have been many a preacher that have been taken out of God's holy dwelling because they want to be the teacher to the young women. And it needs to be the older sisters that get in there and do that. That's the reason why in our church. Amen. That's why in our church, the men teach the men, the women teach the women. Question. Is God's dwelling holy? Is it holy? Do you have anything like this cruising around in your heart? Drive it out so that you could be his holy people. And that is our last point. Our last challenge. His people are to be holy. Isaiah chapter 62. He says this here. The call today is to be holy, to be different, to be set apart, to be pure, to show a distinction between those who are not with God and those who are. Isaiah 62 and verse 12, it says this. It says, they will be called the holy people, the redeemer of the Lord, and you will be called sought after. The city no longer deserted. You know, we as God's people are to be holy. We're to be different. Our church is to be different. We're not like all the other churches. There's a distinction between God's church and the world's church. The members have a distinct, a different level of commitment than a commitment in the world's church. The members have a different level of love that's different than the level of love in the world. It, it's different in, 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 in God's church, amongst God's people. There's a distinction in what they will give up. There's just a true difference, a holiness about them. Because this is a place that's chosen as a dwelling for God's holy name. And yet we've got to build the London International Christian Church. I really believe there are many brothers and sisters that are out there that are watching, that are longing to be with the family so that they can come and get strengthened and then go back out. I mean, I hope you are fired up about the miracle seeing Carlos and Carla sitting right here in front of us right there as God's holy people. And, 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 and you know, Carla, she just comes in with tears. She just says, I, I'm so nervous, but I'm so fired up. And she's got this just warm smile. She's one of those. One of those sisters, if you got any bitterness in your heart, you just repent right on the spot. You just go, okay. She's just so soft right there. We need to be that way as God's holy people. We've got to remain holy, guys. We've got to remain holy. I, I, I want to say a couple of things in close. There are individuals that do not want us to be holy. There are individuals that are not happy with us believing that we are God's people here in London. There are individuals that are actively going after trying to stop some of you from being holy. Satan leads the world astray. He leads the world astray. And we're better to have a place to really target leading the world astray than targeting God's holy people. I mean, after all, the worst wars in the world are civil wars where you can get the church going against each other. And it starts with one little, you know, weave their way on in right there. And, and that has been, sadly, some of the things that have happened this week. There have been actively individuals going after trying to make some of us stop being God's people. That, that, that's, that's been happening. But you know what? We're protected by God. Amen. We're set apart. God set us apart. God's going to continue protecting us. He's going to continue adding to our number. People are going to continue to get baptized. Some of you are going to get sent out. You're going to be in other cities and other churches. We're going to be a part of the Nigeria uh, mission team planning. We're going to be a part of the, uh, the, the South Africa mission team planning. We're going to have ourselves an awesome European missions conference right here. And people are going to become disciples and we're going to be God's holy people. I challenge you today, if you've got any unholiness in your heart, be open about it. Confess it. Repent of it. Get back to being God's holy people. Be holy because God is holy to God be all the glory. Amen. 
we would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one